Welcome to the YWAM Orlando teaching podcast. We share teachings and trainings that empower Christians to overcome fear and change the world by knowing God personally and making Him known to others. If you enjoy this content, be sure to subscribe and share this podcast with others. My name is Ivan. I am on staff with Youth One the Mission in Orlando, and today I'm in in the studio with the Millers, Rachel and Andy. Do you guys want to say hi? Hi, guys. Hello. So Andy and Rachel is on staff with us here in Orlando, and they are doing a lot of really cool things. They are full-time missionaries. They've lived in New York. When I think about them, I think about radical people who are just like, Jesus has to be known. Like, no matter where they go, if it's Publix or if it's some neighborhood, they're like, Jesus has to be known. They're radical go-getters. So today we're in for a treat. Welcome to the studio. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. Good to be here. Thanks for having us. Yeah, for sure. I think we'll just jump right into it. The reason why we have the Millers in the studio is because they are fearless people. They have gone through three adoptions. Yes. Yeah. So today we're talking about adoption and the father heart of God. And I thought to myself, who is better to talk about this than the Millers? I think I'll just start by asking you guys the first question. God refers to himself as a father. Why do you think adoption is so close to his heart? Well, I would say, as you mentioned a few minutes ago, that, you know, we have three boys that we've adopted, and all of them we adopted from South Korea. And just being a father myself, I can reflect back to the first time We went to Seoul, Korea. We were going to adopt our second boy, Pax. And I remember we were volunteering in the orphanage. And in this particular room that I was in, there was about 30 babies that were, you know, under a year old, you know, maybe six to nine month range. And they were laying in these cribs. And we were a couple of days from leaving. And I remember thinking of the passage in John 14 where it says, I will not leave you as orphans, but I will come to you. And in my mind, I was thinking, oh, you know, we have two boys, we're done adopting. And something in my heart just lit fire when I heard that verse, you know, and I was like, there's all these babies, like, I can't leave them, I have to come back. And I remember whispering, like, nobody was in the room but me, and I was like, guys, I'm going to come back for you. I don't know what that means, but I'm coming back. And I just, like, felt like that was, like, God's heart, like, how he sees us that, you know, when we're apart from God, he sees us as children without a father. And he's like, I want to do whatever I, whatever I can take to, to get you into my family and to pursue you and rescue you and invite you in. And and I think that's how, how he sees us. Mm -hmm. And like probably a year, you know, a year later, we got a call about getting our third son, Bear, And I just remembered that moment. I was like, oh, this is how I'm going to go back. There was another one there that needs to be a part of this family. I think that's how God sees us and has that same kind of fire and passion to pursue us as his children. Yeah, because the Bible is talking about how like we have been, we were orphans, but we've been adopted into the family Mm -hmm. of God. So it's just so, it's biblical. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah it's yeah. really that, that's that's good that you bring that up. Sure yeah, it's is. very very biblical and like, you know, if we had hours to walk through all the journeys like we really saw the parallel of just, you know, how how God had to come down and leave, you know, leave his home and pursue us and 
every step wasn't easy. You know, he had to had to go to the cross and go through all these different things to get to that point. And we saw that with adoption. If we were to go through all the stories, just the battles and the journeys that we had to go through. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, you know, just as being followers of Jesus, like I think he put that father's heart and that mother's heart in us that we were like, no matter what mountain we have to climb, no matter what door we have to kick down to, you know, reference the song, like we yeah. were like, we're going to, we're going to pursue, you know, with reckless love. Yeah. That's so good. So let's take it back to the start, like where you guys adopting wasn't just like a, like a one day you're like, oh, today we're going to adopt a kid. Like it was a process, right? Mm-hmm. And Rachel, I believe that you were pretty young when you decided that you wanted to adopt. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, for me, I, as long as I can remember, even as a little girl, I wanted to be a mom. Like that's been the desire of my heart. But I always had something in me that my heart broke for kids that didn't have parents. And I just remember my mom watching these shows on like the Christian channel and like these little kids that were orphans and orphanages and her sending money to try to help. But I remember like two really defining moments in my life. The first one was when I was in 10th grade, I was always getting in trouble because I would talk during class and I was always like helping people with their problems. And so I remember one time I was sitting with this girl and I could tell she had this really hard life and it was an English class and her and I were just talking and she was just telling me all of this stuff. And she told me that she was in a foster home. I invited her to come to my youth group And so I told her I would pick her up that night for youth group. When I went to her house, I walked in and there was just all of these kids. I mean, young kids, teenagers, just tons of kids just sharing bunk beds and rooms. And I said, well, who's taking care of you? And we walked in this room and there was a little lady who was probably in her 70s in a wheelchair taking care of all these kids. And I just remember being like, this can't be like my life had been so privileged compared to that. And I was just like, what can I do? You know, and I took her to youth group and, you know, she moved on to a different home and I never talked to her again, but she's always been like, that was one of the moments like she really changed my life, you know, just even having that conversation in English class. And then the second defining moment was in my DTS discipleship trained school, we went to India for two months. And I just remember seeing all these little kids um, on the streets and just being so shocked. It was one of my first times out of the country and witnessing like firsthand what these kids were going through. So we were riding on a train and we were going from Bombay to Madras which is now Mumbai. (laughs) (laughs) I forget the name of the other city. Mumbai to Chennai. Mm -hmm. And it was a 30-hour train ride. And I remember this little boy got on the train and he didn't have any legs. And he was just like trying to crawl through the train. And he was making this hand motion like, feed me, feed me. And I picked him up and I put him on my lap and I started to feed him food. And he didn't want the food, and he started to cry. And so I asked one of the YWAM leaders, I said, why is he crying? Like, I'm giving him food. And he said, you don't understand. He's like, these kids are left on the street. 
they're picked up by somebody who's basically like a trafficker or like a pimp. They take the children and they'll cut off their limbs or different parts of their body, and then they'll send them back out or send them on the trains to get money. And if they don't come back with money, they get in trouble. And I just remember thinking, like, I'll do anything to, like— rescue these kids like I'll do anything I just in that moment I was like I have to adopt all of my children and so I had no idea any health issues or anything at that time I just knew that for me my yes to God was adopting kids wow I didn't realize I was gonna get this emotional (laughs) wow that is wow I'm like speechless here yeah, so you, you decided this is something I want to do. Adoption is basically picking up people that in a less fortunate situation and just giving them a home. So, Andy, correct me if I'm wrong, but before you took Rachel out and wanted to pursue her, she told you that she was going to adopt all her kids. Yes and no. <laughs> it, it was while we were out on our first date that she told me. So the story is kind of becoming legendary because I've probably told it a million times. But for those of you listening that haven't heard, after high school, I spent a couple years doing missions work. I did a discipleship training school with YWAM. But I spent time in Africa the summer after I graduated high school. And one of the places I volunteered, for lack of a better word, was a YWAM base in uh, Mozambique, Africa. And their whole focus was like orphan children. In the base that they had, the compound, they could only sleep, I think it was about 60 kids. Hmm. And they had about 300 kids that they focused on. And so they would provide a meal in the morning for the kids and a dinner for the kids. So you'd have 300 kids show up at seven in the morning and then they'd come back around six at night. But they would kind of like fight for who were going to be the 60 kids that got to sleep in the compound. Hmm. I remember these two boys in particular, one of them was five and the other one was three. And it was the job of the five-year-old during the day, he had to provide and find food for his brother. And so that was like my first encounter with what you would call an orphan, you know? I didn't really think about it much after we left. I was like, it was really impactful, but then stepped into life and going to college and I was a volunteer at the youth group at my church. I was one of the leaders in the youth group and Rachel at the time was in the youth group. And so, you know, we went through the channels of our youth pastors and did, you know, parents and did everything proper, how you're supposed to do. And finally the day came where we went on our first date and her dad said, have her home by 10. I had her home by 945, <laughs> you know, cause Sorry, Harold is a big guy. He's big. He's way bigger than me. And, uh, you know, If I didn't have the fear of the Lord, I had the fear of Harold, so I wanted to get her home. (laughs) I can still remember walking her up the driveway to her parents' house, and she just turns to me and goes, I just want you to know I plan on adopting all my children. And, you know, it's like, you know, I didn't know if I was going to get a hug at the door or a handshake (laughs) or what, and I got got that, you know? And so I was just like... Cool, that's awesome, you know. But it didn't really filter into my brain. Mm. The more, you know, the more we continued to court and date and were engaged, we always we always talked about adoption. So we, you know, we got married and we had always said, okay, around five years we'll start to discuss kids. Well, when that time came, we started to have the discussion. You know, do we do we want to adopt or do you want to pursue having our own children? And it, it was like, well, remember, mm-hmm. this is our heart is adoption. 
And so, you know, we stepped into that journey and we adopted our son Tyson. And I think like when he came home, he was nine months old. It like changed my life in terms of like, not just all the amazing things and how my life changed as a dad, but I was like, wow, this is what I was created to do. Mm. Yes, I'm a missionary. I'm a husband. You know, I want to preach the gospel and teach people about Jesus, etc. But I was like, if this is what God designed me to do is to care for orphans and bring them in my home and give them my name. Mm. I think just from then on out, you know, after that, we you know, we spent about 14 years adopting these three little boys, just the different processes. Mm. To kind of answer your question, yes, yeah. before, I really was clueless. I'm four years older than my wife, but she knew way more than I did about adoption and what that meant mm. and the reality of it. But after, it was just like it changed my life, and I knew like this was what I was designed to do. Wow. Yeah, and the reason I said to him that I wanted to adopt all my kids is because I didn't want to waste his time because God had my yes. <laughs> about adopting, and if that was not something he was wanting to do, then I was like, I don't want to waste my time. So, Mm. girls, remember that. (laughs) (laughs) That's so good. Weren't you afraid that he's going to be like, oh, well, um, okay, let's take a step back. (laughs) I really, really liked him, but honestly, I was like, this is a non-negotiable for me. Like, This is what God said, and I had the word of the Lord to adopt. I didn't necessarily have the word of the Lord to marry him yet. I think when you say like I think that's a good example like when you say yes to God mm-hmm. you say no to lesser things you mm-hmm. know and like not to dim- diminish myself in any yeah. way but when she said yes to God she was like this is branded on my heart this is what God showed me in my bedroom when I was reading my bible and praying like this is one of the things in my life that is mm-hmm. a non-negotiable and even if there's a guy who loves Jesus and wants to be in missions, if he's not into this, it's a non-negotiable that I'm second, you know, mm-hmm. and the word of the Lord and obedience to God is first. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. That's so good. Yeah. So it's just like this uncompromising mm-hmm. um, yes, like yeah. just whatever it takes, like, no, I'm, I'm going to be obedient to whatever God says. So in, in that, like, is there like... If there's anyone out there that's like sort of on the fence about that, like I'm not sure if I can take God's word for truth. Like, what would you tell them? Like, for example, if there are people that are like wanting to go into adoption, like how can you tell them? Like, no, listen to the voice of the Lord. Like, you know how to hear it. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think with I think it's not just with adoption, but anything. You know, I I know of countless people that have been called into ministry or called in to do something by God, but because of a relationship or or fear of like, maybe I won't get married if I don't do this right here, Mm -hmm. right now, that they've set aside what God's spoken to them or set aside that calling that they've had. And I mean, I don't think it's like, oh, it's over for you. That's not true at all. Like, I feel Mm. like God can redeem anything, but I feel like we can— follow God or if we follow after God and what he says, it's always going to be the best, Mm. you know, to do it the first time around. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. (laughs) That's good. Yeah, so in this process of like, obviously, Andy decided to like, yes, I want to do this too. (laughs) (laughs) Just from each of your individual uh, journeys before meeting up. As you guys got married and decided to uh, adopt, was there ever, like, in this process of adoption, was there ever a moment where you're, like, just straight up scared? Like, 
Jesus, I, I don't know how this is going to go. Yes. <laughs> probably, probably many, many, many times. Um, I think I think with our first son, Tyson, we had hurdles, but I think there was a grace from the Lord that kind of walked us through it, mm-hmm. you know, you know, in terms of like, you know, provision, there were, there were some moments we had to fight through it, you know, and pray and fast and those different things. But our second son for me, I guess the scariest or most questionable moment was with PAX. We were maybe a year in for all three of our kids. The cost was about $135,000 total. So PAX's full adoption, was between forty five and fifty thousand dollars, and and you don't pay it all up front; you pay in stages. Well, we hit this one point where we needed about fifteen thousand um, dollars, or we were going to have to stop the adoption and step into some different phases, and it was going to be more paperwork, cost more money, and we had a three day window where we needed this money. and And I remember the three of us, myself, Rachel, and Tyson, we, we were just like wow, Lord, are we supposed to be doing this? Did we miss something? Because it's silent. There's no money coming in. Our bank account, we've emptied it all to do this. And we even looked at, like, should we not do Korea? And should we maybe check into another country? Because this one's cheaper, or this one might be easier. And I remember we sat in our living room. This living room had, like, this really weird green carpet. (laughs) Um, That's all I remember. But we were just like, Lord, we, we literally just said, God, would you show us, are we supposed to continue this adoption or should we stop and pursue something else and so we all just kind of waited silently for three minutes or whatever and then we said Tyson you know who was maybe six at the time seven what do you think we should do what's God saying and he's like we need to keep going we need to stay with pursuing this particular baby he's like in fact I think we should get a 12 passenger van and maybe adopt about 12 kids (laughs) and so we said okay that's good maybe let's focus on this one right now and so we, we all just kind of agreed, okay, we're not quitting, we're not giving up. And within three days, we had the $15,000, which that story is a podcast in itself, so we won't go into it. But, you, you know, but, but what God, you know, what God did, yeah, yes, we were scared, but we submitted to him and just said, okay, we're going to keep going. And, and he came through. And we could probably share dozens of stories through the three boys where we had those moments whether it was fear and can I do this? Can I finish this? Can I, will this happen? Is this going to happen? I think when you just keep going and you keep persevering, God is always there and he's always with you. And I think sometimes he's just waiting to see our response, you know, to the situation. Because he's not just wanting us to adopt children, but he's wanting us to teach us the father heart of God. And he wants to teach us more about his character and nature through the process. Yeah. Yeah. I think for me, one of my most scary moments throughout this was I mean, we've had so many. I could tell so many about um, packs, but one of the scariest was with our third son, Bear. And um, we had gone through the process and we had actually gone to Korea thinking, you know, it was just going to go smoothly and everything was kind of lined up. And so we get there and what happens is you go for one trip and you go to court and you stand before a judge, which is really interesting in another country. (laughs) (laughs) And so we're standing before the judge and he asks you questions like, you know, why do you want this baby? And just all these different things. And there's a translator 
And it, it's actually amazing when I think about it, because I'm like, I'm standing here in a country not my own, standing in this courthouse, speaking to this judge on behalf of orphans and getting to tell them why I want to adopt this baby. Mm. So we go through the whole process, and at the end of court, the judge says to me, I'm really sorry, but there's some hang up, and it's going to take longer for Bear to be able to come home. I knew that there was like something to do with like a birth father not signing a paper or something, and my heart just broke because Mm. I was like, God, what's going to happen here? Like, we've already waited so long. We're here. And so they're like, go back to the States and we'll call you. And so you're like in a group of people and they're all adopting kids. And they're like, your group is going to be called way before you to come back and get their kids. You're just going to have to wait. And I remember riding back, you ride in this big van back to the hotel and just crying and being like, what in the world? Like, what's going on? And I had met Bear, and I knew that this baby needed to come home immediately, Mm. that there was a lot of stuff going on with him, that he needed to be in a family as soon as possible. But we had to get on that plane, and we had to come home, and it was one of the hardest times in my life leaving him there. We were so scared. It it was literally like, you may not get him. You Mm. may not get this baby after everything you've gone through with him. You've met him. You've had, you know, you've held him. You've kissed him, but you may not get him. And for me, that was horrifying. But God totally turned it around. He Mm. totally miraculously did. We're still to this day not even sure what happened, but the papers were signed and we were called back before anyone in our group. And we were back in Korea within a month getting bare and he was in our custody. And within four days, we were back to the States. I forgot about that story, but I remember that day and I remember having all the same feelings. And I remember walking out of the courtroom. We had been the last family to go in and stand before the judge. It was half a dozen or a dozen of us that went together. And I remember walking out and everyone else had like celebrated when they came out, like, you know, and I remember we were kind of like heavy. I remember opening the doors and seeing everybody. And I don't know if it was God speaking to me or if I just had the thought, but I remember thinking of the verse, the last will be first and the first will be last. And I was just like, I was just like, okay, Lord, if, you know, if that's you, not that I want everyone else here to be last, but Lord, (laughs) push us ahead. Let us be first. Like, and I was just like, I'm just going to declare that we're going to be back here before everyone. And like, I don't Mm. say that after she says that. Because usually when I say stuff like that, it never happens. But like yeah. this was like one time <laughs> where I remember when we got that call and then we started writing friends like, hey, did you guys get the call? Are you going back? And they're like, no, none of us have. And we're like, oh, sorry, we are. But I just remember like, wow, God, like we were the last and now we're first. Like, wow. you know, and, I, and again, I, you know, just again, how God likes to teach us his character and nature through the process. Yeah. Just another like moment of, you know, d- does God speak? Does God still speak today? And I think it was just great to like, you know, hear his word or have that thought and then watch it unfold. Yeah. You know, that can, that it just encourages our relationship with God, I think. Yeah. When you guys were done with the adoption process, was that the end of like, was it just like dreams and rainbows and unicorns <laughs> after that or? <laughs> no, nope. no. I, I mean, one thing I want to make very clear <laughs> is this is a excruciating process. 
And the process is just the beginning <laughs> because, you know, you're bringing children into your home that have been vulnerable and that have been through trauma um, and that have been through things that maybe we can't even imagine. And so you're walking these children through this. And so, you know, you get so excited and you're like, oh, they're finally here. And then it's like, wow, we have a lot to deal with, (laughs) you know? And I mean, all of my kids have had, Tyson was probably the least because he was only nine months old, but Mm. my kids have been through stuff and like, they've been in so many different homes and, you know, different situations that, you know, they couldn't even speak the same language as us. And so Mm. just even that barrier. So we've walked through things with them. So no, the process is actually just the beginning and bringing them home is just the beginning. Um, But one thing I can say is that once they are in your custody and, you know, they're your child, it's like, it's so much easier to just pour into them. But it is not, just a week or a couple weeks. I mean, it takes years to really follow through with this commitment, you know? Mm. So we see our little one changing every single day, Wow. every day. I mean, when he came home, he was rough. I mean, so rough. I could tell you stories. And I mean, there was, I would go to bed every night crying, just like, God, I don't know if I'm strong enough to do this. But now I see him and I'm just like, you are amazing. And mm-hmm. I don't know where you would be mm-hmm. if we didn't have you. I don't know where you would be, what you'd be doing, but you are amazing. Mm. So it's worth it. Yeah. Yeah. Like when you say adoption will change your life, it doesn't just mean you get a really cool picture for Instagram, <laughs> you know, so you can get 300 likes and boost your followers. Mm. Um, it means like it changes your life just instantly, you know, like, like she was saying about our youngest bear by that he was two and a half when he came. And when he came, we were the, the fifth home environment that he had been in, in, you know, and he's not even three years old yet. And so that just layers of things that you're working through and walking through with them. You need God's grace during the process and you need God's grace after the process, you know? Mm -hmm. So yes, we want as many people to adopt that are wanting to, thinking about it, go for it. But also, like, we want to be real. You know, like, it's hard, and there's a commitment, and there's a perseverance to continue to walk through that. So, Mm -hmm. Wow. So, through this whole process, what did you guys learn by God's heart, like God's Father heart? Mm -hmm. I think through this, I understand God more than I ever have. Just the way that He adopted us. I think sometimes, and when you're actually walking through the process of adoption or now people, you know, people come to us, oh, your kids are adopted. And I'm like, I almost have to think about it because they're just my kids. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think of them as adopted kids anymore. I just think of them as Tyson, Pax, and Bear, and they're just my kids. And I know that's the way that God sees us. We're His, you know, Mm -hmm. we're His. Absolutely. Like, these kids are entitled to everything that a birth child would be entitled to. They're mm. entitled to everything we have. They're entitled to our inheritance, you know, in the same way that it is with the Lord. But I think it has opened my mind in ways that I think I never could have fathomed mm. if we wouldn't have done this. Yeah. I think for me, it would definitely be just like 
the perseverance and continual pursuit of us. Mm-hmm. The, I think the passage that says, while we were sinners, Christ died for us. When we didn't know him, when we wanted nothing to do with him, like he went all in on us and just chased us and pursued us and went after us. Mm-hmm. And I mean, for us, when our boys didn't know us, they weren't saying, hey, Andy and Rachel, will you be my mom and dad? (laughs) The age they were, they had no concept that they didn't have a family that they were a part of, or they didn't have Mm. a mom and dad that were there to watch over them and protect them and take care of them and feed them. Even when they, for lack of a better word, quote unquote, didn't want anything to do with us, we were just like, no matter how much it costs, no matter how inconvenient it is to fill out all this paperwork and get denied this and have to do fingerprinting and do all Mm. these questions and interviews with social workers. There's a lot of hurdles. It was just like, no matter the cost, no matter the time frame, if I have to fly over oceans, I'm going to do it to get Mm. you. And I think that's the father heart of God. He's like, I'm going to leave heaven and I'm going to come after you no matter the cost even if you push me away, I'm going to mm. keep running after you and, and pouring my extravagant love on you. So for me, that's definitely what I learned about God's heart through this. That's so cool. That's so good. So say that you guys hypothetically were to sit down with someone who was th- thinking about stepping into this process of adopting a child. What would you tell them? How would you encourage them? How would you speak to their situation? Mm-hmm. We talk to a lot of people about this. Um, it's actually one of the things we're most passionate about. People come to us at different stages, you know, so we'll have a young family come to us and we're like, oh yeah, like you can totally do this. But then when we have a DTS student come to me or a young person that's like, you know, what can I do? Like I have this heart. And so a lot of times I share my story with them or I share, you know, maybe the timing, you know, of what God has for them. But one of the things that, especially lately, I always share with people, it's not just international adoption. I mean, God calls people to international adoption, but it is also domestic adoption and foster care and safe house. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, I I mean, there's single girls at our church who take in babies. Maybe their parents have gone to prison and the government workers need to take this child to a safe place for a few days or a few weeks. And these young girls are taking in these babies. It just fascinates me. And there's even something that transitional foster care, where kids are coming across the border, you know, and their parents are being taken and they have nowhere to go. There's couples and families that are taking in these kids for three months. So you can only do it for three months at a time. Mm. So it's not just international adoption. There's so many ways Mm. to help with this. There's so many ways to even give or help families that have already adopted. And our church does a night every couple months where any kids who are adopted or in foster care, they just babysit the kids and the Mm. parents get to go out and we love it. But there's so many things to move towards this. There's so many ways to help Mm -hmm. that might not mean like, oh, I have to adopt a child today. So I encourage everyone. I'm like, this is on God's heart. We should all be doing this. But at the same time, there's other ways that we can do things too. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And just to continue on what tag on what you already said, I remember sometimes you get to that place. Okay. Yes. I want to adapt. I want to foster. I want to be a safe house. 
but you still have maybe that fear, like, what do I do to overcome this fear? I would just say, say, take a step in that direction. Mm -hmm. And I remember, I remember we went to this informational thing. It was like an hour from Orlando. We had to drive there and it was in this church basement and, and they just talked about adoption for an hour. I think they had two different parents or families that had adopted and they just kind of shared their story. And after we went to that, I was just like, oh, I get it now. Like, mm. I understand what adoption is. And it excited me. And I was like, let's do this, you know? And so then the next step after that was just to take $35 and fill out the application, mm. you know? And some organizations even have soft applications where it's free and just, hey, I'm inquiring, send me a packet. And those mm -hmm. can be like some first steps to overcome those fears as you just start to slowly, little by little, allow it to trickle in, reading up on it studying or like she said hey tell an adoptive family hey can I come over and babysit for a night so you can go out mm -hmm. and get your feet wet a little bit so I just think taking steps towards that thing that you're afraid of take one step towards it eventually it's like going out into the water when it's cold yeah. you know you just take one little step at a time your body gets used to the temperature and before you know it you're up to your neck in water yeah. but it was one little gradual step at a time that's how I think you can overcome that fear that's so good. This is really good. What about if you're in a position where you, you can't adopt? Like, say you're, you're single or you don't have the finances or, like, whatever reason there is. Like, what, what can you do? Yeah. Well, I mean, if, if this is something on your heart, like I said, the safe families, yeah. like, anybody can do that. And there's also some, like, group homes where there's foster care kids. You know, I, I've been meeting some of them the last couple of weeks. And if you're in a group home, that means that you couldn't even get in a foster home. I mean, there's like ways to volunteer and help and like just pour into these kids' lives. I know our church is doing something where you can buy gift cards for them for Christmas. And I mean, there's just different things that you can do to, to just love on them, you know. Yeah, and I would agree with that. You know, when I was a kid, they always had these commercials. You know, for the price of a cup of coffee, you can feed this child for three days yeah. or whatever, you know, and mm -hmm. find a legitimate organization. You know, there's ones that are good and safe. And mm -hmm. it's like you can, you can kind of adopt a child by sending a monthly check to help with their schooling and with their feeding. Just practical things like, I can't bring this child into my home right now, but how can I, you know, like Rachel said, serve somebody else, serve a church that is involved or serve a family, find out if there's a family that's adopting and maybe give towards that. Mm. There's a saying that says, if you take care of another person's, God will give you your own. If you want a house, steward the place that you're living in now, and, mm -hmm. and God will see that, and He'll provide a house for you. If you want to adopt, hey, Lord, how can I serve somebody else's family or serve this church or this organization that's involved with adoption? And when you, you help take care of theirs, like God mm -hmm. begins to shape your life so that you can have your own. Yeah, especially as missionaries, we would have never made it through these processes without people giving and mm -hmm. helping us. Yeah. And maybe people who have never adopted or never will adopt, but they have a part in our children and getting them home, a huge part. Mm -hmm. And we're so thankful for that. So good. Mm -hmm. So now you guys have three rowdy boys. <laughs> Yes. Uh, life is a little chaotic at times. How do you guys like live on mission? Like, how do you guys choose faith over fear? 
because you, you guys lived in New York for a while. Yeah. How's that? Well, like, how, how's missions <laughs> with three boys? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was it was so wild last year. I don't regret it one ounce. You know, we took our three boys and we moved to East Harlem for a year, and we lived in a 650 square foot apartment. I mean, it was little, and there were challenges, but we really felt like the Lord was like you know, you can do this. Even if it's just for a year, you can do this. And, you know, looking back over that year, I think my kids learned things that they would never learn anywhere else. The two little ones went to a school in the projects. And so they were the only kids of Asian descent. There was no white children. I mean, and and I feel like my kids are like colorblind. <laughs> I feel like they are drawn to like every person who is not the same as them from that year. And even our oldest son, who probably had the hardest time in New York, I feel like God instilled things in him that year, just seeing things that he could never learn in a classroom or mm. helping people out on the streets, you know, and opportunities that he would never have normally. I think it just, it grew our family closer together. We realized that we couldn't stay. We couldn't stay in that situation as the boys were getting older and it was great for a year. But I think the next step is probably getting these boys a house, (laughs) (laughs) a place where they can grow. Um, And and that doesn't mean that we're not going to be missional anymore. Mm -hmm. It means that we'll just have a place to come back to when we go out. Because so we want our whole lives you know, to be missional. We want our whole hmm. lives. We want it. We want to keep going. We want to do foster care. We want to do transitional adoption. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Maybe we'll even adopt a little girl. I don't know. But um, we we don't want to stop. Yeah. You know. Yeah. No, that's good. I think the mindset can be okay. You've adopted these three boys. They're wild. They're crazy. They're boys like any other boy, you know, Mm -hmm. playing sports and you're running them back and forth to school things. But it's interesting, you know, that she brought up New York. We had all three of those boys before we moved to New York. So Mm -hmm. I think the more missional you are, that the desire and the passion to continue to be missional actually increases Mm -hmm. because it was like, wow, that was an amazing 15 year journey adopting these three boys. Like we're excited, Lord. We did a little reset. What do you have for us next? Move yeah. to New York. Okay, sweet. Let's go. I think that year was, like she said, it was full and it was wild. And we poured out our lives and lived in small spaces in this huge city, you know, had ups and downs. It feels kind of like a reset year after that. Mm-hmm. But I think that the day is going to roll around here and it's going to be like, all right, Lord, what do you have for us next? It's not like, all right, we did our part. Yeah. Let us grow old and gray. But I think the more you say yes to God, that the yeses increase. The desire to say yes increases. You mm-hmm. never get to a place where you're like, all right, I did my part. I did enough. Let me mail in my papers and, and yeah. I'm done. Mm-hmm. There's something inside of you that just keeps, it's like throwing logs on a fire. It just keeps burning and the fire gets bigger. And you're, you're waiting for that next yes or that next question from God that you can say yes to. Mm. That's so cool. With you guys having the three boys, taking it back to like the father heart of God, now that you have them home, what is God teaching you guys about his character now? Mm-hmm. Oh, man. These guys, I mean, I think anyone, not just adopted kids, but anyone with children could say that their children teach them 
more about God <laughs> than probably anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we have the blessing to see these boys, you know, where they came from and every day walking in more freedom, um, especially our youngest. Yeah, um, please. But no, I, I agree with, no, I think I think what you said was good. I think you your kids do teach you more about God, you know, you'll be, you'll be interacting with them to some capacity mm-hmm. and you're like, you'll think of a verse like, Oh, I always wondered what that verse meant. Now I get it. Or, mm-hmm. um, even I think it, uh, the simplicity of God just wanting to be with us. Like that's always been a hard one for me to grasp. Like I, you know, I, I have to be reading my Bible and praying and fasting and worshiping. I always have to be doing an activity, for God to be pleased with me or to God want to come, you know, spend time with me for lack of a better word. And I'm finding, you know, with your kids, it's almost like the simple, non-super busy activities are Mm -hmm. the most enjoyable. Mm -hmm. You know, like, yes, you know, two examples from just yesterday, I went to the park with my two youngest and it's like, there's all these, you know, there's like four of these castles in this park and all this stuff to do. And they just wanted to get sticks and hike around the park and write their names in the sand. (laughs) And it was like, I was like, wow, this is really fun. Like I enjoyed it. It was like 55 degrees, which is once a year for Florida. And you're just like, we're really not doing anything, you know, credible here. Mm -hmm. We're just, I'm acting like I'm six. And it was like, I enjoyed that moment more than if we would have been trying to write a book together, Mm -hmm. you know, or something amazing. Um, And then another example, yesterday, my oldest son, um, hopefully he doesn't hear this until he's like 30. (laughs) Um, But he, you know, he's an eighth grader and he's on varsity soccer. And so, you know, when you're the younger guys on the team, you don't get as much playing time. And this this game was a seven o'clock game. It was an hour away. So I drove there and it was a really talented, tough team. And so some of the younger guys didn't get to play. So Tyson's really good at soccer, but he sat the bench the entire time. He didn't get in the game. And I could tell like when he got to the car, it was kind of like, almost like shame or like, oh, dad drove all this way and I didn't even get off the bench. And I was just like, dude, I don't even care. Like I would drive a hundred hours just to watch you sit on the bench and cheer on your team and Mm. put on your uniform and do warmups. Like, I don't care if you score a point or you play, like it's my delight just to say, hey, that's my kid. Mm-hmm. Well, which number? Oh, the number 16 at the end of the bench. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't have any shame. Like, I was mm-hmm. so proud that that was my kid. And I think we always measure God's delight in us by what we do. Like, mm-hmm. I did all these things. Now maybe he'll give me a round of applause and, you know, be my dad. And he's like, no, like, actually, when you're not doing well, when you're discouraged, when you're reading the Bible and it doesn't make any sense, mm-hmm. I love you just as much then as when you t- share the gospel with somebody on a street corner. Mm. So that's those are some of the things I think for me that I'm learning about God's heart. Mm-hmm. That's so good. So now you guys are back from New York. What do you guys do now? Mm. Yeah, so basically um, since the beginning of September early October, we have been working on the local outreach team, which has been so fun. We love it. We've been working with our friend Bailey, 
and uh, a bunch of other people. And so basically, we're just finding ways to reach Orlando. Mm -hmm. YWAM Orlando is amazing at reaching the nations and reaching the world. And so we're trying to find ways that we can reach the communities around here. So whether that means going into um, strip clubs or working on a street called Orange Blossom Trail or in neighborhoods that are maybe impoverished and not just the impoverished, but the rich too. Um, we're finding ways that we can go out and serve the community and reach the people around us right here in Orlando. Yeah, so we have about, I think we counted yesterday, about 13 local outreaches that we do on a weekly basis. And it's, you know, some of our staff are involved with that. Our students that are in short-term schools are a part of that. But like Rachel said, just looking for um, ways that we can impact the city. And it's all races, all demographics, all socioeconomic statuses. Mm -hmm. Like um, we want to reach the city of Orlando Mm -hmm. and we want to go into all the world and make disciples, but that's being here as well. Mm -hmm. So just looking for ways on a daily basis of how can we, you know, partner with local churches and ministries that already exist and serve them and make Orlando just know Jesus more. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. That's real good. Just as we wrap up, would you guys just pray for our listeners because I'm, I'm pretty sure that there are people that um, that are st- like that are listening and that either want to or are stepping into um, adoption so can you guys just like pray for them sure sure yeah, yeah. so Jesus we just thank you so much God that Um, We even get to have the privilege to speak about this, God. We just thank you that you've given us so much, God. You've given us these three little boys, God, and we're just so thankful. And God, I just pray for those out there listening to this, God, that maybe their heart is stirring or maybe it's been stirring um, for something in the area of vulnerable children, God. I just ask, Lord, that... Um, if this is something that they're supposed to do, that you would give them the courage, God, to step up and maybe make that next step, Lord. Or if it's somebody who's just um, wanting to help out, that they would give and um, not look back. But God, the thing I do pray is that this would not be something that we look past, God, that this would be something that we stare at stare it in the face, God, and that we look it in the eyes and see it for what it is, that there are millions and millions of kids without homes, God. And we just ask that um, you would lay it on people's hearts today, God. In Jesus' name, we just thank you for this time, God. Amen. Yeah, God, I just agree with that, Lord. Um, I just pray for those out there that do have that that passion and that desire and they're, and they're stirring it. Sometimes we need a little catalytic moment to help us step into our yes. And so I just, I pray specifically for those people that are just like, um, Lord, you know, I, you know, I need a sign or I need some money Mm -hmm. or, or whatever it might be, Lord, that you would just, um, if they're like, Hey, I want to fill out this application, but I literally don't have $35 Lord, that you'd provide that for them Lord. Mm -hmm. just some little catalytic moments to stir the fire in them to just walk out that yes and walk out that obedience, God, um, in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Millers, for coming. You're welcome. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for having us. 
Thanks for listening to the Wyoming Orlando Teaching Podcast. Would you like to be in the room during a training like this? If you're ready to devote this season of your life to learn how to live fearlessly and change the world by knowing God and making Him known, then go to ywamorlando.com and apply for free to our discipleship training school. Thank you.